Yo, what's going on? It's your man KG Salone and welcome to Bridging the Gap. Today is Monday, November 9th, and we got a special guest for you today. His name is Mr. Renaissance Jones. He's from the North Carolina area. He's an actor, model, activist, filmmaker, and we're just going to dive into his world today. So You are now tuned in to a Power Podcast Network production. Speak. What's going on, bro? Hey, what's going on there, brother? Yeah, welcome to uh, Bridging the Gap with KG Salon, man. You on the air. Hey, I appreciate you having me, brother. I appreciate you having me. Nah, I'm glad that you're here, man. Uh, We're going to chop it up a little bit, you know, just talk about some enlightenment and all of that. Um, the, the show is about just trying to connect each other as black people all around the world and just try to see how we can bring unity amongst ourselves, you know? That's what we need. All right, all right. You, you, you got anything just off the top of your head, and we, we can go with that. Um, well, I, I would say one thing I feel like we need to understand is that we can disagree mm-hmm. with each other yeah. and still be on the same page. Right. I, I've been I've been saying that for years now because just like I say, those those top one percent rich people they don't agree all the time, but right. they understand that their interests are aligned. So why go against each other? That's a fact. That's a fact. And, and man, we um, you know, every week we 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 on the media. We we see each other getting killed by each other or by the police. And um, you know, I think we got to police ourselves. And first, let me. I'm gonna start off with what just transpired about a few days ago. You know, the whole nation was watching the television, trying to see what was the outcome of the elections. And um, you know, the Democrats took uh, took the the White House for right now as far as presidential election. Um, I know the black people, the black vote put Biden into the, the White House and shout out to Kamala Harris for, you know, for breaking the history of women in, a, in politics and, and, a, and a minority woman at that, you know, black woman mixed with Indian. So shout out to her for that. Um, can, can, are we still good? Yeah, shout out to okay. Yeah, so shout out to her for that, man. But what what I, I wanted to know, like for myself, I think one of the the main things that should be on the table right now, since the black vote was what matters the most, was was uh, um, the forty acres and the mule. Maybe not per se the forty acres and the mule, but what are you going to do for black people? Will, will, will there be reparations, you know, for everything that our ancestors went through? Because every other race on this planet have been taken care of as far as the Japanese, as far as the Jews and all that, for the things that they went through. So I think that should be something that should be on the table, should be one of the main priorities. Because once we can stand up economically, I think a lot of the stuff like the racism and all of that, you know, because poverty makers do a lot of crazy things. So if ec- ec- economically, if we can get a foot in the door, I think that would be a good, a great big help for black and black Americans. What you think? I definitely agree with that. I definitely full heartedly agree with that. Um, and I want to go back to what you said right before you started that about policing ourselves. Yeah. And I, I bring that up only because I feel like certain mindsets need to change. Mm-hmm. Um, when when the reparations are ready, because let's be honest, they're they're not. They've been trying to push that down and beside for years or whatever. Right. But I feel like if we get to a point where not everybody, because let's be honest, there's not everybody's mindset is, is going to be evolved. There's right. always going to be some people 
think over here, over there. Right. But if we can get to a certain mindset, I feel like the reparations uh, would help a lot more. Because I'm going to be honest, right now, if, if they right now gave reparations to every black household or whatever, mm-hmm. I, I'm this is just my opinion. I believe about 75% of those those payments will be for not because people will be broke next week. You're right. Or next, next year. <laughs> There's no disagreement of, there, yes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. as far as like we need financial literacy, right. all that stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and like you said, just we're policing ourselves. That's just my thought process because I actually had a thing going on uh, probably last year I was doing for like a couple weeks where it was called uh, Cultural Revolution. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking about certain mindsets, especially hood mindsets. Like I always say, I don't know if I cuss on here, so I'm going to blame Oh, it, oh yeah, yeah, say, you can, you can. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I always say, fuck the hood mindset. Yeah. And people be like, what do you mean? Because I, I used to be out there, so I understand the mindset as far as like, like you said, when you're broke, you're doing crazy things. Yeah. And then a lot of us in, out there are, are depressed and suicidal. I know me personally, I was a wild boy. And I did a lot of things when I look back, it was because I was so depressed and suicidal. Right. I didn't really care about life. So if you would have gave me a million dollars right then, and I tell this story a lot to certain people or whatever, I actually had a management team that went to take me to New York when I was 16 to get me signed. Ah. But, because, for rapping. But I understood now that I was not ready at that time. Uh-huh. I would have been broke <laughs> quickly because <laughs> my mindset was not on that level. Got you. Got to. So it's education, like the education, I believe, is like a key to, to a lot of our lives, whether we're here in Africa, all over the world. You know what I'm saying? Like education per se doesn't mean like I'm going to go sit in a class, but just educating yourself on how valuable you are as a human being, as a black person at that. Because I think that's what a lot of us lack, like in our communities, is nobody there is teaching us how important we are, how much of kings and queens that we are. You know what I'm saying? So we we devalue ourselves just to start out with. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's where a lot of the killing is coming from because you're looking at somebody and you're not valuing them because they look just like you because you were taught so much from television, from movies, from everything, from video games and all of that, that, you know, basically like the black lives don't even matter, you know, to to most of us because we're so desensitized to each other dying. You know what I'm saying? But I think one of the, the main things is like educating ourselves on how important we are or how how much we made this planet, how we were the first one on this planet, and nobody no one would exist without us being here. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's a big thing that's missing out of our lives. I wanna say absolutely, brother. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly with everything you just said. I feel like that is a main component and even not just us, but society media mm-hmm. like the the um the little baby test they did back in 1970 did it in the 90s and mm-hmm. they did it uh like in 2010s or whatever uh-huh. where they take the little kids right. and they have a black doll and a white doll and they say who's bad and black and white are pointing at the black doll right. so it's like since we're young it's always being programmed in this and we need to make sure um that's why you know formal education is good as well mm-hmm. but at the same time Parents in the home and stuff, they need to be explaining this stuff. Because I'll tell you like this. For me, um, I grew up in the DMV area. Uh-huh. And I know when, when I go back home to D.C. or whatever, and I go to some of these neighborhoods, you know, they've been gentrified. Now, yeah, yeah. They didn't do that, do that when we were 
living there or whatever. It was like, <laughs> right. oh, we don't care. But, oh, oh, we got these people coming in. Let's clean it up. You right. know what I mean? So that also is a psychological thing. Like, okay, we're not good enough to have none of this stuff cleaned up. But, oh, the money coming in, they look different. Right. Now they're going to clean up the hood. You know what I mean? Right. And I, and I, I totally understand what you mean, too, because I, I grew up in Brooklyn and in Jersey. Right, and when I go back now, it's not the same Brooklyn. It's not the same Jersey. You see what I'm saying? So I, I definitely understand that. And, and another experiment that I do, just you know, because I go all around the globe. But another experiment that I do when I meet a group of people, usually I'm, I'm just talking to them. I'm just being myself, right? Um, from my accent, of course, they could tell I'm from up north. But once I talk to them for a little while, and I give them like my background, like my family background, and I say that I'm African. I see the people act a lot different. Like I get the jokes and then you get the African boogie scratches stuff and all that. You know what I'm saying? And I, I think that's a separation of our culture as well, you know, as a people. Um, like what what's your mind state on, on that? You know, when someone tell you, I mean, do, do you do, is it making you less black? You know, are you going through less struggle because you were born in a different country? We still have the same skin tone. You know what I'm saying? We we struggle the same way. We're all trying to make sure our families have good lives. That's what we all are here for, right? We worship the the Almighty, you know, uh, um, Father above, the Divine Being above us. You know what I'm saying? So there's nothing that's separating us. We're just on different coasts, but we are, we are the same people. So why is it such a divide when someone tells you that they were born in a different country and not just on American soil? Um, I think I think personally mm -hmm. that. Um, when it comes to black Americans, the first thing they think of is the slavery. They think of the stain. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, like I said, America best best quality to me has been uh, their PR. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Their public relations is amazing when it comes to what they want people to think. Right. Um, Cause I'll tell you like this, I, I think you were, you were in the military as well, right? Right, right. Yeah, I was in the Marines. Mm -hmm. And when I went to Iraq, I remember going to this this uh, gold shop with my one of my Caucasian Marines. Uh -huh. Now, my at that point, like I was, I was still kind of rough. I didn't wear jewelry at all because I I fought a lot, so it was like there's no point in me buying it because it's gonna break. Yeah. So he wanted a chain. You know, he was a big hip hop person. He wanted a chain. He was like, so we went in there. When I tell you, the Iraqis dismissed him and came straight to me, right, brother. Brother, bling, bling, we know you want bling, bling. Show me all yeah. their best stuff, the right. black diamonds. I'm like, I'm like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't wear jewelry. I was like, he he, he wants it. And they looked at him and laughed and said, white man don't wear jewelry, black man wear jewelry. And I was like, where are you getting this from? And they was like, the TV. Yeah. And, you know, at the time, I was still young. I was probably about 24, 25. So to me, it was funny. Mm -hmm. But then when I left, and as I started thinking about it later on at night on my, my bunk, I was like, that's crazy. Like, yeah. that... Yeah, so America's PR is is top notch, and I feel like it's so good that we've even bought into it. Right, like you said, and blacks alike because, like you said, we are the same. You know what I mean? Mm. But you know, we have the same struggle, et cetera, or whatever. Like you said, once you say you're African, they look at you different. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Or et cetera. Or, or I heard. Uh, What's his name? J Jadena, the rapper? Yes. Like, he said, he says when he goes to Africa, because he's light-skinned mm -hmm. and is primarily in America, they treat him with a, uh, almost like he's white. And it's like, it's just crazy. Right. It is crazy. And it's the, it's the same thing that happens over there when I go over there. Because it's like, I'm not African enough when I'm there. 
And when I'm here and I tell somebody that I am African, then I'm not American enough. So it's like I'm stranded in the middle. You know what I'm saying? But I, I've been here since I was a little baby, so I understand what they mean because I, I don't know the culture that well over there. You know what I'm saying? So I'm a stranger. I'm a stranger over there as well. But they do treat me different. And the the crazy thing is, on the continent itself, or even in that country, there's so many white people, and they treat them different. Like, cause when they look at when they look at a God or Jesus, all they have is those pictures of a Caesar, but yeah, that's on their wall. You see what I'm saying? So they look at the white people like they're a savior, you know what I'm saying? So and that bothers me a lot. You know what I'm saying? Um and we have the same thing in the hood, like the old hood, you know, where your grandmother whoever you might go to their house and they have this white Jesus in there and so forth, which bothers me at the same time. So what you think you think religion has been like a uh something that helped us stay down or something that kind of pick us up? Uh, I want to say 50-50. Okay. I've been studying the images. I think I was in the Marine Corps, and I asked my grandma one day, I was like, Grandma, why you got this white Jesus on your fridge? You know he, he don't look like that. And she said, I know he don't look like that, BJ. But at the same time, you know that, but the grandchildren that are in there, the kids that are in there, you know, they just see the picture. They're not asking no questions. Right. So for them, that's Jesus. You know what I mean? Now, when they get older, they might learn differently. But if they're not told, that's what they're going to think. Because that's what they saw in grandma's uh, living room. Mm-hmm. And grandma didn't think, and grandma didn't correct her, you know. Um, and as far as uplifting, I would say uplifting as far as I feel like everybody needs something to believe in, to right. make themselves And my whole thing has always been, if whatever you believe in makes you a better person, I'm all for it. Right. Right, and and but I mean, we all know, you know, they use religion to try to pacify us and, um, you know, make us a little more obedient. So we know, you know, all the chapters, all the books that was taken out of the Bible, um, to to make us listen to them. Anything that was referencing us, they they pretty much removed a lot of it. You know what I'm saying? A lot. There was 99 books that was in there, which shrunk down to about what 66. So um, yeah. yeah, so we you know we we know. Also, we got to think about the translations because right. there's some Hebrew, Hebrew words that there is no translation for. So some of the words, some of the stuff, a lot of the stuff, they're just putting whatever they want in there. Right. And it's like, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm still here. Oh no! I just wanted to point that, put that, put that out there too. Yeah. So that. Yeah. Like translation thing. Yeah, that's a fact, cause cause when it translated, it, it it fit into the language that that we adapted to. You know what I'm saying? It, it, even though it was our our writing, because King James was a black man, you know. So even though it was our writing, but when it was translated, you know, of course it was given to us the way they wanted it given. Not saying that the Bible is not the doctrine, you know what I'm saying? But we do know there was some adaptations made in there, right? Oh, yeah, just I would say just like um. Jesus name. Yeah. Like when you when you go to look how they they translated his name. Yes. It, it doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't. I mean? It doesn't cuz we know we know Yahshua. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then at the same time because like I tried to tell my grandma she laughed at me but I was trying to school her. I was like if you look every name was translated. Mm-hmm. So like you say Yahshua if you look at the high priest Yahshua Yahshua mm-hmm. told him the savior, basically his son, was going to be named after him. Yes. So that 
Volvo tells you what his name is supposed to be. Yeah. But then you go here, and his name is completely different. Right. And you're like, okay, well, you translated Yahshua's name to Joshua. Uh-huh. You translated Yahshua's name to Jesus. That don't make no sense to me. Right. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, man. But you know that—that's what I meant by education. Like educating each other, man. Um, even the older heads, it's, it's hard to to get some lessons to them because they're so embedded into tradition. You know that even when you try to tell them like Christmas is not a real holiday, they don't want to listen to that. You know what I'm saying? And, and tradition is so embedded in us that we cannot make a change. You know. It's even in the Bible that says. Do not be like the Gentiles and cut down the tree yeah. and adorn it. It tells you not to do this stuff. Right. So I agree with that. I feel like you said a lot of people stuck in their ways. And what I realized, too, because I want to say eight, nine years ago, mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I want to learn more. And, and, and well, I put it this way. I'm not a Christian anymore. Yeah. But I, I, I do still look at the Bible. I, I look at a lot of different texts. Yes. I feel like all of them yes. have yes. a piece of the puzzle. Yep. But... When I originally was doing my research, I was actually doing a documentary. And one thing I've realized that a lot of people are not even reading the Bible. They're just taking their pastor's word for it. Yes. And you're like, hold on, you don't know that. And you got to go and show them. And they're like, kind of confused. Like, well, I'm going to see what he's saying and everything. And it's like. Exactly. You, all, you do know that he just doesn't have the Bible locked up. <laughs> you can't read it. You study at home, right? <laughs> exactly. And, that, and that's what I did even as a teenager, man. I would read the Bible. I read the Quran because I grew up as a Muslim because my grandmother raised me. Um, so, you know, we'll go to church. We went to church. I mean, not to church. We went to the mosque five days a week. You know, we prayed, all of that. You know, as time progressed and I met my father, that's when the the Catholic, you know, Catholicism came through. And he sent me to, to, um, to Catholic school in Newark. You know what I'm saying? So I picked up a lot of that stuff as well. So, I, you know, read the Torah, just try to get different different views from things you know what i'm saying so yeah and that's what i mean you know just educating uh, ourselves man and uh, each one teach one and then on top of that you know growing up in new york and jersey you're gonna you're gonna have five percenters so i i was with all the five percenters matter of fact kg means knowledge god that's where that came from so uh you know so i always build with the guys and all of that but um since we're both into hip-hop like I'm a, I'm a crazy hip-hop head from the from day one um and i know you make music Oh, yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, hold tight. Okay. Um, you on the, you on the speaker, right? Yeah, I'm I'm driving. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Can you hear? You good over there? Yeah. Okay. No, because I uh, I have uh, the the audio engineer. And she was just talking about the feedback. So, but I guess we we can keep going, right? Okay. All right. Yeah, we we still good, man. So I was just gonna I was just gonna go down the rabbit hole a little bit into the hip hop situation. Because, um, you know, as much as I love hip-hop, you know, there was a time when hip-hop was used to teach us that wasn't reading or was, didn't have uh, access to books and stuff like that, right? In the hood, like, you know, we had like a KRS-One that would teach us like Benjamin Maddox could make the traffic, like, you know, stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? But hip-hop is no longer doing anything like that. Matter of fact, I think some of the music that we're making, you have a child, I have children, it could be detrimental to our children. You know what I'm saying? And but it's constantly like that's the only genre that's being pushed. When there's other, you know, there are other artists that's making great music, you know, stuff that can uplift us, the community and our economy and so forth. But that that is not pushed forward at all. So it's like as as an artist, sometimes you find yourself in the corner trying to push yourself to do what the mainstream is doing because 
has, you know, you want you want people to listen to music. You know what I'm saying? You want people to vibe to your music. Um, so sometimes you feel like you got to conform. What you think? Yep. I, def- I definitely agree with that, and I would say um, it can be very detrimental. That's that's another reason why I say it starts in the home because um, I won't put this. Like I said, I, w- I was wild for a little bit, and uh, the music I was listening to kind of mm. reflected that. Yeah. And even when I started rapping, I didn't know it was WWE. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know it was WWE at all until I started going out and people wanted to collab with me yeah. and and I would hear what they were rapping about and I'm like, hold on, I don't see you on the block. Like, nobody know you. Like, I can't co-sign this. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. Not real. And hey, it's supposed to be entertainment. It's not supposed to be, you know, so that was the ignorance of me, you know? Uh-huh. And I feel like a, a lot of um, rap hip-hop artists now today, like you said, they just want people to listen to their music and some of them, like, like Future said, he don't do lean. But he'll rap about it, you know what I mean? So I feel like a lot of them are taking on these, I want to be popular or be seen a certain way, mm-hmm. so I'm going to do this. Hell, look, look at a 6 9 When he first came out, I knew he wasn't about that life. Right. I could just tell, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, he's, and as you can see, he, he snitched, he came home, he's still trying to make the same music, and now people are, yeah, the white people was laughing and trolling with him now, but ain't nobody buying his music. Yeah, yeah, but that, that, that's the crazy thing, though, man. Like you said, you know, like for myself, you know, I was I was doing crazy stuff in the street, but I, I never talked about it on the music. You know what I'm saying? I just felt like if you really, you know, if you a real man, I'm not even gonna say a gangster or none of that. If you're a real man and you really know you got to feed the children, that's not what you want to put in the music because you know the next generation is just most important. And some kids don't have the father figure at home or don't have that, you know, the guidance at home to think different out the box. So if you're just feeding them guns and ammo all the time, they're going to be guns and ammo all the time. You know what I'm saying? So we need a balance. Facts. I was going to say, it took me um, eight years to actually switch my style because I was not in that mindset anymore. Mm -hmm. I wasn't there anymore. And... Like, when I'd go out and people be freestyling or whatever, the only thing I knew how to talk about was that street talk. And I was like, I'm not going to make no music like this because it's not who I am. It's not what I want to portray. Right. And like, it took me about eight years. But once I found my sound, like, okay, I can talk about these real issues right here and et cetera, et cetera, you know, and not have to, like, none of my music, I don't, if you listen to, and I, I my boy probably still has a copy from back when I was 16, 17. Mm. Listen to my mixtape back then and what I'm talking about to now, and you'll see a complete evolution as far as, damn, he ain't talking about selling drugs or he ain't talking about none of that on this stuff. Yeah. I'm not there no more, and that's not what I want to portray or even have somebody look up to me and say, oh, I want to be like this. Nah, don't be like that. Right, right. And I, and I, and I give a balance, like, you know, on the album, I give a balance, you know, I, I put something for the ladies, put something for the street. You know, put something just for regular everyday living. You know what I'm saying? So I I could give a variety like that, but like the radio stations, which controls a lot of stuff, and you know, a lot of the people that's in power, they they don't want to they don't want an uplifting song. You know what I'm saying? Unless it has some type of violence in there. And we so we so desensitized to violence that we love it. I went to a I went to a, a wedding, and every song on on there was about killing somebody. At the wedding, you know what I'm saying? Like that's what everybody wanted to hear, cause that's what we partied to. So when I when I when I was listening, I was like, wow, 
Every song on here that we're dancing to and really going crazy over is all violent. Like when they played something that was nice and it was a good record, people wasn't jumping up to it. You, you feel me? So I was like, I mean, what do you do as an artist? I, I, I feel like they just had one thing I say I love about this age of music mm -hmm. is that if you want to get uh, positive content or even something that's not killing, the internet, the streaming services have gave a platform to people that would never be on the radio but right. make great records of music. Right. Um, and granted, the radio is still king and, you know, they still want to promote the violence or whatever. But it's a lot better as far as you can, because let's be honest, about 10, 12 years ago before the streaming, if you were a positive type rapper, ain't nobody going to hear you. Yeah, yeah. And now you you at least can still have a platform and get there. Like my one of my favorite artists, my my GOAT rapper is Jay-Z. Yeah. My favorite right now is Kendrick Lamar, you know, uh -huh. and if you listen to Kendrick, Kendrick, he might tell you what goes on neighborhood and stuff, but he doesn't. He's not putting himself, hey, I'm going to kill 20 people, blah, blah. No, he's not doing none of that. He actually has real songs, real music. Mm -hmm. And i the funny thing, too. Like, I told somebody, um, so J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar, Drake, we, would you agree that they're not gangsters or I, gangster rap? Yeah, I agree. They are the, they are the highest selling artists right now. Uh -huh. So it's funny because... All these other rappers are trying to be gangsters and stuff like that. They're not making half of what these three are making that are actually on a different way. Right. So, like, that speaks, even though, you know, J. Cole and Kendrick, they take a while to put music out. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think that speaks also to certain ears. Okay. Yeah, the popular music, yeah, they want to be in the club or whatever, but they ain't selling like Kendrick. They ain't selling like Cole. You know what I mean? They ain't selling like Drake. But you know, and don't... I would never consider them gangsters, you know what I mean? Right. But the caveat to that, though, the caveat to that is those three individuals that you just spoke of that's on the top of the food chain, it's the camps that they came from, the, the endorsers, you know, the people that endorsed them. Because they could be dope as hell. I think we dope as hell, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, who got our back? You know what I'm saying? Like, Kendra got a, a Dr. Drake. You know, Drake had Lil Wayne and all of them. Um, what, what, um, J. Cole had um, Jay-Z. You feel what I'm saying? Those are powerhouses. So if those individuals didn't have those people behind them, we probably wouldn't even be hearing their music right now. You, you feel what I'm saying? So it, still we're going in the same boat because you have material, you have like, you know, substantial material from different artists, but those people are not seeing the light of day because you don't have a hundred thousand. You know, because every time I speak to somebody, they'll be like, yo, your music is dope. What's your budget like? And I'm looking at them like, what's my budget like? My God, I'm just getting started. You know, I'm not a millionaire. I'm barely a, a thousandaire. You know what I'm saying? So how much do you think I'm bringing to the table as far as finances? Can you can you just take my talent in consideration and let's make history and then we can get paid that way? But now the game is so switched up. Like they just want to, they want you to have a big bag to come in the door. I thought it was supposed to work the other way and we all get a bag together. No facts. Do you remember? Uh, did you ever watch the documentary, The Blackout? Jay Z's uh, documentary back in the day. I, I think I seen it. It's been a, it's been a minute. Okay, there, there was a, a part in there where he was in the studio with some some younger, newer rappers coming mm -hmm. up, mm -hmm. and he asked them, 
he said, why y'all rapping about uh, gangster stuff and stuff and y'all know nothing about it? Uh-huh. And the rappers told him, they was like, because I guess that's what the people want to hear, you know what I mean? Right. Like, and Jay looked at the camera and said, why y'all doing this stuff? He was like, they shouldn't have to rap about shit that they don't know about. Mm-hmm. You know, be able to be themselves. And right. he was like, you see what they got to do? They got to pretend to be somebody else just so y'all can listen to them. And I was like, damn, that's some, that was powerful. You know that, 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 is, that is powerful. That is powerful. And coming and coming from somewhere where Jay from, and, and I remember like the, the tapes floating around the room with Jay on there. You know what I'm saying? Jay, Jay adapted that same mentality. You know what I'm saying? Like he did all of that stuff as well. Cause like I, like we said, you know, when we rap, it's entertainment. Most of it, a lot of it is facts as well. But it's entertainment, so you're trying to get the crowd's attention. So you're going to talk about stuff that you see or hear or what you think appease the audience. You know what I'm saying? So I, I applaud Jay for saying what he said, but he got to remember he, he did that same thing. Feel me? No, I, I, I feel you. Yeah. That's why I, I like, um, I would say, like, I know people think Kanye crazy, but I feel like Kanye West was a great thing for the rap community yeah. because when he you know, at that time, gangster rap was it. Like, you was either gangster rapper or yeah. you were a ladies' man. Right. It wasn't no backpack, whatever. I remember the first time I saw him, he came to Howard Homecoming. Mm-hmm. And he was the only person on the ticket that nobody knew. Wow. I remember him coming out, and you just heard whispers on the... Everybody's like, who the fuck is this nigga with the backpack? Who's this dude? <laughs> and he came, and they was like, the new Rockefeller artist, he ain't getting no claps. Everybody, we all look at him like, who are you? Uh-huh. He, he made a little speech real quick. Got everybody hyped, and then when he walked away, I remember calling my boys uh, back in Virginia, like, "Yo, this dude Kanye West." They like, "Who is that?" I'm like, "I don't know, but he gonna be somebody." You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think he he actually was a great thing for um, rap, and I feel like we need more new people like him as far as, "Hey, I'm not gangster. I'm just a regular guy. Right. This is what I want to rap about." He gave and himself. Like he yeah, he brought himself. And I, I feel like we have those. I feel like they just need. A bigger and better push. There you go. Because um, who was it? Uh, I'm, I don't want to misquote. I, I believe it was Doctor Boyce Watkins, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. But uh, he was saying that how he was saying, okay, let's say white people in rural areas, right? Yeah. They they go, they're on the jury duty or whatever, and the black kid is sitting there, or whatever. And mind you, and and this is crazy because I've actually met some Marines. T- they never met black people before until so they came to Marine Corps. Right. Yeah. So when they when they would when they first approached it, it was funny because they were trying to emulate what they saw on TV. Uh huh. And he was saying as far as emulate on TV and rap and all that stuff. And he was saying so if all we're putting out there is the negative stereotypes or whatever. Yeah. And this black boy, this black boy can be innocent, but they don't know any black people to speak of. All they know is rap and what they see on TV. Right. What. Why the hell wouldn't they think he did it? Right. They're looking at him like, oh, I saw power. He yeah, he had a good job, but he was selling drugs and stuff, so why the hell couldn't he do it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think, like, again, with the beginning of the conversation, I do think it is sometimes can be very detrimental, um, and we need to realize that. I'm not trying to take no food out of nobody's uh, plate or nothing like that, Yeah. but we do need more of some of these rappers who rap a certain way like Raspity, I think Rhapsody is so dope. Yes. But yes. she they don't push her because of 
she not like everybody else. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's super facts. That's 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 real super facts, man. And the, the state of the music changed so much. Even the A and R's, if you don't sound like the other artists, they're not even looking at you. You know what I'm saying? I, I remember when it was all about originality. Everybody had their own style and all. But now, now when I go on stage, I got like 50 dudes that sound the same, and then I come out, I'm the only one that sound different. And now they asking me like, why why are you just making that type of sound? Why why you can't sound like everybody else? You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, yeah. That's crazy, man. When we came up, if you sounded like somebody, you, that was your that was the end of your career. The, I don't the, know if you remember uh, Gorilla Black, the big fat dude. Yeah, yeah, I remember hearing that. He sound like sound like big, right? Yeah, he he was he was on that same uh, Howard Homecoming stage, and we booed his ass. Wow. Like his lyrics were hot, but you heard everybody whispering like, and you know DC loved Biggie, so he's yeah. like. He sounds too much like Biggie, and about two minutes into the set, we just started booing. It was wow. like, "Wow, yeah, that's that's crazy, man. That's crazy." And you, you know what? I, I remember um, you you uh, sending me a message one day. It's like, "Yo, my guy, I see you acting, I see you modeling, I see you doing music. What do you do? I mean, what, what, what lane are you in? You know what I'm saying?" <laughs> so. so uh, I, I'm saying that to say, man, it's so much, so many avenues that we have, so many lanes for us to go in. So when we're not making music, our other thing that we're doing, we're filming. So you're also a filmmaker and an actor. Uh, you want to go into that yes, a little sir. bit? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yes, I am a filmmaker and an actor. Um, funny thing is, I originally didn't want to be a filmmaker, mm -hmm. but... Um, I found it necessary because some of the stuff I wanted to do or play, we weren't making. So mm -hmm. I decided to start making my own films. Nice. Nice. And and, that, and that's basically why I do music and that as well. So definitely, because we got to tell our own stories, man. You only get one life and you got to leave a legacy behind. So it's, it's good to film your own stuff. Tell your story. Right. I'm actually trying to... Um, Finding newer ways to mm -hmm. appease my audience, and I say that only because everything I've, I've made or put out there, mm -hmm. um, all of them have underlining messages that you could take from. Nice. But what I'm realizing is that about 80% of the viewers miss the message entirely. Ah. Because they'll hit me up and be like, hey, why did this happen, or blah, blah. Then once I break it down to them, they'll be like, oh, shit, that's deep. I didn't even... I'm like, yeah, you gotta watch it again. So... I've been trying to find ways to um, explain it a little better so it won't go over their heads. You know that's, what I mean? That's because just, just because I put violence in it doesn't mean I'm trying to be violent. I feel like, you know, violence, people like action that gets their attention. Mm -hmm. But I want people to pay attention to what's going on, though. Right. Because of the and everything like that. Right, right. Man, but it's great having you, man. I just want to applaud you as one black man to another, man. Thank you for, for your time. Thank you for your contributions. And I see what you're doing around the neighborhood and all. And being a great father to your, to your son. And I just want to applaud you, man. Um, and I wish you the very best 
in all your future endeavors. And also, just, just share your social media platform with everyone that's listening. Uh, social media on Instagram, you can follow me at the Renaissance Jones uh, on Facebook, Renaissance Jones. And also, I have to plug my, my T-shirt line. Our website just dropped today, Logan Raphael brand wow. on Instagram. That's what's up. And, and, and you also got a book. He's an author as well. So he has a book out there. I do have a book too. You can go into my Instagram link tree and it'll take you right to it. It's called Remember Your Jones Lessons That My Father Taught Me. Uh, it's basically, uh, basically my father passed four years ago. Um, and it's basically, how I put this? It's not like a life guide, but certain things that men should know. So right. what I did was I told the story about the lesson of how he taught it to me. I tell about when I used it and how it worked. And then uh -huh. I tell when it, I didn't use it and what happened. Nice, nice, nice. Well, congratulations on everything, man. I wish you, I wish you like the greatest success in the world, brother. Thank you for joining me today. And I think we tapped in on a lot of things and I appreciate your comments and, 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 um, I think it was that very educational. Thank you, bro. And um, hopefully I'll see you very soon, all right? Hey, appreciate you having me, go, having me on, brother. All right, brother. Be easy. Have a good one. All right. You too. All right. All right. This your man, KG Salon. That was another episode of Bridging the Gap. Thank you for listening. Catch up with you very soon. Be blessed.